You're listening to The Secrets of the Good Place, Season 1, brought to you by the StarQuest Podcast Network and our many generous supporters. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of the Good Place, Season 1, where we'll di- we will discuss the deeper layers and meaning in the first season of The Good Place, which is a sitcom on the NBC network and available wherever fine TV shows are streamed. Uh, I've seen it on Hulu and Amazon Prime and iTunes and places like that. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And joining us today, Mac Barron of the Catholics in a Small Town podcast. Welcome, Mac. Hey, everybody. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. Everything is fine. (laughs) Everything is great. Everything. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so I just want to begin by uh, just sort of um, explaining how we're going to structure our discussion. We're going to do this in two parts. Uh, The Good Place has aired two seasons so far. And we'll cover them in two episodes of Secrets of Movie and TV Shows. This episode will cover season one up to, but not including the season finale, and it will only contain mild spoilers uh, of those episodes. There is a big event to the season one finale finale that we don't want to spoil for anyone who hasn't watched the show yet. So uh, we will cover the season one finale and season two in our next episode of Secrets of. So if you haven't watched The Good Place... You, you can listen to this episode fine. You, it's not going to ruin anything for you. Uh, and then stop, go watch season one and season two, then come back and listen to the second episode. Uh, and you and that's I, I highly recommend it. That's the way to do it. Um, we, the the way that we got together on this is um, I'd seen the show. Uh, I'd seen some people talking about it. I don't usually watch sitcoms very much. Uh, it's just not my thing uh, lately. I've watched The Big Bang Theory. It's about the only other sitcom I watch because uh, it's geeky and nerdy. And uh, and I But I saw this and I said, I have got to recommend this to Jimmy because Jimmy, I know, is a, is a philosopher. He loves philosophy. And there's a lot of philosophy on this, a, a uh, network show with philosophy in it. Yeah, I, I, that's what my undergrad and and is in, and I went to grad school in philosophy. So it's really cool to see actual real world philosophy stuff hap- being used on a sitcom. I mean, I never expected, you know, dealing with you know John Rawls and Soren Kierkegaard and Immanuel Kant and their actual ideas and the trolley problem and, and everything like that. Yep. And then uh, Father Corey, I uh, you know once we watched it, we recommended it to him. And then I heard uh, yeah. Mac talking about it on on his podcast with his wife Catherine. Um, but Father Corey, you were going to say something. I, I I skipped over you there. I was going to say, you know, of course, I also uh, college seminary studied philosophy. So so there's some of these episodes. It was almost like flashback to college seminaries. Like <laughs> I remember studying this stuff. <laughs> That's right. And I taught in public schools for uh, the last 18 years. So oftentimes I'm wondering if I'm in the bad place. So <laughs> exactly. That works too, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so just to quickly recap, what is this show about? The series focuses on uh, Eleanor Shellstrop, who is played by Kristen Bell. Uh, you may know her from such shows as what was that show she was famous for that I never saw? Um, oh, she was when she was younger. Um, this does sound like our show. This is Veronica great. Mars. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Veronica Mars. Uh, yes. Uh, that show I've never watched, but I know everyone else has watched it. Yeah. Um, she is a, a woman who wakes up in the afterlife and is introduced by Michael, played by Ted Danson, to the good place. Michael is a supernatural being. Uh, and it's a heaven-like utopia that he has designed in, in in reward for her righteous life. She played the game of life and scored enough points to get to the good place. And and in the show, that's liter- that's a literal statement. We'll get to the point system as we talk about it. But the she- way the way they explain who Michael is is yeah. he's the na- neighborhood architect. So the right. afterlife is set up in different neighborhoods. And each one has their own architect. And this is the one Michael set up. And you're like ideally suited. You're assigned in the afterlife to the neighborhood that's ideally suited for you. Right. Right. And we'll get into into some depth on that one, too. Uh, So she realizes she was sent there by mistake and has to hide her morally imperfect behavior. She was actually a pretty bad person in life. And and so she's trying to become a better person in order to um, to to. Earn her way. Yeah. To earn her way into staying in the good place. So that's that's the recap. So um, the show was created by Michael Schnur, um, which is not a household name, I don't think. But he was involved with also the creation of The Office and Parks and Rec. The American version. Sorry. Yes. The American version of The Office and Parks and Rec. Um, He was much I think he was uh, much more involved in Parks and Rec. Um, And you could tell, I mean, this got a lot of the same sensibilities, a lot of the same, even just show design, I think, um, the set design, the way it looks and feels. And of course, the humor is very much similar. Um, and and like those shows, you have these great characters that are uh, that are built out of them. Um, one other thing about the show itself, it's. It's a continuous story. It's not discrete yeah. episodes. So right. each episode is a chapter. That, in fact, it calls it a chapter one, chapter two. So, mm-hmm. which that's that's very interesting for a sitcom because, of course, when we think of sitcoms, at least here in the United States, they're usually one-off episodes. They deal with one issue, and that's it. You you might have a, a cliffhanger episode once in a while where it's a two-parter, but for the most part, most. Um, Sitcoms here in the States are not serialized episodes. Right. Yeah. And and you could see how and this is actually one of the things that makes this show so interesting is the fact that it is serialized because I could easily imagine if this was a typical sitcom of, hey, let's set some people in the afterlife where they're in heaven and we've got one wacky person who doesn't really belong and is trying to hide that. What kind of zany situation can they come up with this week? Right. right. And at the end of season, at the end of and season three, they have to have a baby. I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it exactly. Would get, yeah. It would get very boring. But what they what they actually do is they're plotting out a season all in advance. It's 13 episode seasons. They know exactly where they're going. They have a definite plan with regular plot developments. And there's like mm-hmm. a cliffhanger at the end of every episode. So it's it's much more tightly plotted, much has much more of a driving thrust to it than you would think from a typical sitcom. In many ways, it feels a lot like some of these uh, Netflix shows, which are mm-hmm. they drop all their episodes, 13 episodes at once, and they feel more like a continuous story from one to the next and driving you from one episode to the next to, to encouraging you to binge watch it. I mean, this is sort of the the modern form of the TV show, yeah. in a sense. Yeah, it's and, a it's a strange little bridge between 
the classic sitcoms that we're used to, something like right. Parks and Rec, that kind of have as an overarching, but not really. Like you can watch individual episodes of Parks and Rec and be just fine. With yeah. this one, you'd, you'd you'd be fairly lost. It's a bridge between those classic tel- television shows and the sort of the prestige TV movement, where right. it's mm-hmm. all huge storylines. And, and this is definitely suited to binge watching. When Dom recommended it to me, I watched it in two days. Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's addictive. That's that's the same thing I did when when both Dom and Jimmy mentioned it. It's like, OK, it first season's on Netflix, second season's on NBC's app. Boom, 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 boom. Just right down the line. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Guilty. I've heard people watching uh, all 13 episodes in one in one day. Uh, so, yes. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the different characters. Um, and as we talk about them, we'll you know sort of introduce the story as we do. So there's Eleanor. Um, Eleanor. Our, our main character. Yes. Who is she? We, we get these glimpses of her real life you know, as we go along of what she was really like, as well as her bumbling attempts to kind of fit in with all these good people. Uh, All the people she encounters uh, are pretty much almost everyone are these really like idealized saintly persons in heaven. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and and she's sort of struggling along trying to fit in. Um, But she's crass. She's uh, self-centered. She's, um, uh, you know all of these things and we yeah. fairly early learned that that in fact what happened that she got in there was that this the real Eleanor Shellstrop was saving her life at the time of her death she got hit by um a, uh what was it? she was yeah. in a supermarket parking uh, lot yeah and a line a whole, of buggies oh. careened into her and then forced her into a vehicle right yeah right and then she got run over and so the real Eleanor Shellstrop saved her life and that and there was a mistake at that moment where they both died together and got swapped so the real eleanor we we are to assume is in the bad place and the fake eleanor is is what she eventually starts getting called is in the good place and well and that's what a, they, that, that's oh, a really brilliant narrative device because it shifts because what they do is they use like the first six episodes for one set of moral dilemmas and then when they reveal that to you it's a whole different nuance to that that moral dilemma shifts mm-hmm. changes yeah because now how can we st- how, how can we keep the eleanor we've gotten to know and appreciate in the good place if it means that this other virtuous eleanor doesn't get to be in the right. good place and one thing i want to comment on too is you know we see saying the good place the bad place and that's one of the things they address at the beginning is, you know, uh, Michael says, oh, we don't really talk about heaven and hell. We talk about the good place and the bad place. Right. And the good place is where you want to be and the bad place is where you don't want to be. Yeah. They, they do, though. Creep hell, hell and heaven language does creep into it, though. It does. Right. Yeah. That's one of the things, actually, they kind of they kind of address is the idea of this isn't the this isn't the realization of any particular religious doctrine or belief system it's not particularly christian or hindu or buddhist certainly not muslim or any of those other things there's this whole scene where it's like well christians got about five percent and (laughs) islam got about five percent and buddhist got about five percent and this one stoner from Madison, Wisconsin, got ninety-two percent. <laughs> right, That's right. A great joke. It was great, and they have his picture on the wall in the uh, in Michael's office, where you know he or the orientation office. Um, yeah. what so, a, and I was I was reading an interview with Michael Schur about the showrunner about how he cre- ended up creating the show, and originally 
he was talking it, it this show apparently grew out of LA traffic because traffic is really bad in Los Angeles. I know I've been there. It once took me five hours to get back from L.A. to San Diego once. It was terrible, <laughs> um, even though they're like 90 minutes apart if there's no traffic. Um, but uh, the uh, he was driving in L.A. traffic and somebody like was doing something shady at an intersection and it just drove him nuts. And he thought that's got to be a minus 20 points if anyone's keeping track. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and from that, he, he he started developing the idea of an objective point system to things that we do in our lives. And then that led to the idea of let's set it in the afterlife. And he originally said he he said that in kind of the first version when they were developing the series there was more of a kind of mix of religious elements in the show but they decided to take those out so it would be just a generic afterlife that's not tied to any particular faith or set of faiths i think that was a good decision oh yeah right. i think it removes a lot of like if you were to to throw this out there in a pitch to me before I'd seen it, um, it's a show about the afterlife. I would be so worried about: is this going to be anti-Christian? Is it going to be right. offensive? I mean, I can't imagine the network looking at this idea and saying we're going to offend everybody. We don't want to touch yeah. this with a ten-foot pole. But they managed to to do a show about the afterlife without really getting very religious about it, which is not a bad thing necessarily. No. It's it's really more of a philosophical show that's right. than it is a religious yeah. show. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that I've and I've I've presented this to a really good friend of mine who's a priest, saying if if you want a show that begins a conversation right. about philosophy, this is the gateway drug to it. Right, and, and it is very much it is very much a secular view of the afterlife. But like like you said, Dom, that's probably not a bad thing. Because um, yeah, my, it makes my the show was, more accessible. Yeah, my thought when when I first saw the trailers for it, you know, was that a little over a year year and a half ago or whatever it was when they first started promoting it. It's like, yeah, I'm not really interested in this. You know, this just looks really, really dumb to me. And yeah. you know, the idea of, of course, is how would they actually portray the afterlife in a way that doesn't make me as a Christian go, really? Are you just trying to mock me? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the uh, the uphill battle they had. And they, I think they they did it. I think they really they did, did a great job. Yeah. If, if you want a, a kind of previous reference point for what it's like, it's in a way, it's kind of like it's a wonderful life mm. because in it's a wonderful life. You ha you do have angels and you, I guess you could infer maybe there are demons somewhere, but you have angels and demons and you have the idea that people's lives have meaning and good behavior is important and, mm -hmm. you know, and so forth. But it doesn't really go beyond that in terms of the religious elements in It's a Wonderful Life. And that's basically like what we have in The Good Place. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, yeah, that's that's actually a good a good recap of that. Um, and Eleanor, as this. It's interesting you take this, uh, you know, objectively or in this case, subjectively bad person and you're you're putting her in this in this position of being contrasted with the good place and 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 the struggle that that is. I mean, it's a way it's it's you know, if we were to if we were to couch it into Christian language, it's the sinner confronted by by good, by goodness and and having to confront that in ourselves. Uh, you know, there's a, there's that element of um, who am I in relation to that? 
Who am I in relation to the, that goodness and that and ethical? Why? And why? Right. A, a, a huge part of the ethical dilemmas that end up in this show is about motivation. It comes back mm-hmm. to that over and over again. It takes a while to get there, but then it that becomes, I think, the major theme in the show. It's all about motivation. Well, and another. And it, go ahead. Well, I was going to say another another thing you see there is. You know, Eleanor herself, even though her whole life, I mean, you, you see all the, the clips and I, she's a despicable person in her life. <laughs> I mean, she works for a mass marketing scheme uh, call, you know, a call center. Yeah. They sell uh, fake defrauding. medicine to old people. You know, fake I mean, vitamins. And, yeah. she's, and she's their best, best salesman. She has no problem with this. Yeah, yeah, she has no problem with this. But she still has that little grain of goodness in her where when it comes out that she's not supposed to be there. And there's an actual Eleanor who's supposed to be there. She's like, well, I got to go. I can't stay here. This other person needs to be here and I need to go. And then there's that funny scene where she's asking Janet, their little, uh, Siri, whatever their real person, persona Siri. Um, what what is the bad place like? And Jan says, "Well, I can't show you, but I can play this clip." And all you hear are just screams and torture. And, and someone yells, "That bear has four mouths." Yeah. <laughs> and do you remember? Do you remember Eleanor's response to that? She says, "Well, it doesn't sound awesome." Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's sort of the cadence of almost every joke, and yes. it's yeah. fantastic. It's really what? really well played. One one thing about the show that uh, is part of its success is if you imagine a show that's a typical sitcom with no real character development and you have this person who's a genuinely bad person trying to fit in with good people, that would get boring really quick. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they don't do that. So what the first thing uh, that... Um, that Eleanor does is she discovers her soulmate, a guy we'll talk about in a minute, is a professor of moral philosophy. And she says, teach me ethics. I need to become a good person. And so you have moral development happening on Eleanor's part. And that makes her character watchable in the Mm -hmm. long term because she's not the same and she doesn't remain the same annoying person she started out as she becomes progressively more likable actually as the series happens actually start cheering for her to improve right yeah she's making progress so let's let's talk about chidi and the whole idea of the soulmate so an element of the of the afterlife is that you are connected with your soulmate and if you if you never found your soulmate in in this life uh you are brought together in the afterlife and so eleanor is matched up with her soulmate but but as far as she knows this guy Chidi was supposed to be the real Eleanor Shellstrop's soulmate, and so she finds him really annoying. Um, so Chidi is a professor of philosophy um, who's from Africa, but teaching in Australia. I think is the uh, the, the, the yeah, background. He's, he's been he's apparently been around the world. He's also been to France and places yeah. like that. And and while he's a professor of of philosophy and he's really into uh, ethics. His his giant flaw is the, his inability to make any decisions, which is which is hysterical because that's what ethics is about is about making distinctions yeah. and decisions about things. <laughs> that's, yeah. and, 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 about and, that's true. And and like you know the it, it, like moral philosophy professors and philosophy professors tend to do, they overthink things. So that's why he's he's so into the details of moral philosophy and all the different competing theories of moral philosophy that he has option overload. It's like going into a Chinese restaurant where you don't 
know what any of the dishes are, but yeah. there's a million of them. Yeah, well, and, 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 and he, it becomes a reoccurring joke. People saying this is why everyone hates moral philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, Chidi has this great line at, in the first episode of where, you know, he, every time he'd get to one of these ba- these decisions, his stomach would get upset. And he's, I'm in the good place and my stomach's upset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. You know? yeah, 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 that's, yeah, it's, it has physical manifestations as an ability to, to make choices. And in fact, all of these people so, so have these and, flaws. And, and, Yeah. And that's another aspect of this that makes it work as a sitcom, because if this was real, actual, what heaven's going to be like, there wouldn't be these little imperfections. People wouldn't, even the good people wouldn't have like Chidi's indecisiveness or his stomach aches. Mm -hmm. So this is a television heaven. It's not, it's not meant to be what real heaven would be like. Right. Well, and what's, what's great since we're going down that path, just a little bit about the atmosphere and environment is it, I think it's a wonderful um, marriage between a showrunner's sensibilities um, and like his, <laughs> I get the feeling that this guy really likes puns. Yes. <laughs> this show is more than any show I think I've ever seen really rewards the pause button and just w- looking at signs and signage. And when they flash <laughs> a lot of text on the screen, you need to go back and look at that text because it's worth a look. It's oh, yes. legitimately funny jokes. It's a, it's a great marriage between his propensity to want to do that kind of thing and his ability to point out, uh, aspects of the human condition. Yeah. Like there are, Mike, there's a, there's a scene where Michael is eating frozen yogurt and Eleanor asks him, why are, what's the deal with so many frozen yogurt places? And he says, I just can't think of anything more human to take something really great. Like and ice ruin cream. It, ruin yeah. it just a little bit so you can eat more of it. <laughs> like <Yeah>. that is <laughs> a wonderful, wonderful take on the human condition right there. So I have to I have to pull the curtain back on the show for a second. At the end of every show, I always have I take a line from the of the from the show or movie and I share it with you and say, "Remember," and that's my last word. So I've already every chosen podcast. for these two episodes. Yeah, for every podcast. So the first one for this podcast, it was going to be "Remember, everything is fine." And Max stole that one, and then by sec <laughs> for the second one, it was going to be the yogurt joke. So <laughs> I don't have time to go look up a new one. So that's that's your "Remember." Folks. Sorry, man. I'm no, sorry. that's fine. That's great because there's obviously great lines. I mean, it's it's sort of encapsulates so much of the show. Now, speaking well, of the puns, one of the writers. Um, Oh, I had her name and I forget it. She has a Twitter account on which she she posted her list of all of the pun names for all of the restaurants that oh, she'd cool. come up with. And so I'm not going to read them all. It would take 45 minutes. But like so some of the pasta restaurants were going to be uh, al dente on the Western Front. Penne for your thoughts. <laughs> pasta expiration date. Um, <laughs> lasagna come out tomorrow or uh, there's some good pastry restaurants cake cod uh, cake canaveral uh, donut make my brown eyes blue um, corn restaurants polenta to go around um, the uh, the maze from Westworld get the maze M-I-Z-E oh yeah. that's good, that's good. Uh, sushi restaurants uh, uh, what's he uh Take my tempura, sure. Uh, rice to meet you. Um. I remember one that was a, a a a pudding restaurant that was. I I thought I saw a pudding bat. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. Now I gotta actually gotta um, point out the set that they use for the neighborhood. 
is a very it's it's one of these Hollywood sets that you see in a lot of different shows. Sure. In Star Trek Voyager, it was. Um, do you remember the episodes where they went to the Irish village on the holodeck, Fairhaven? Oh, it yeah. was Fairhaven. Um, it also was in Voyager for a. Uh, uh, a, a World War II German village. Uh, uh, it, it's it's it keeps showing up in all these different shows, and I just kind of love that this is this is the afterlife is this set that has been in so yeah. many shows, and it's it's just kind of you know your, your small town, everything's bright color. There's yeah. the green lawns in the middle, and oh yeah. my gosh, you know visually this show is an antidote. Antidote. I speak pretty one day. Is an <laughs> <Yeah>. antidote <laughs> to um, depression. This show is so bright and shiny and all the colors are so poppy. It's wonderful. And, and, and that's just that's yeah. just Eleanor's house. So also they also have a lot of besides like the names of the restaurants, they have a lot of other Easter eggs which is, I guess, appropriate for a show about the afterlife. Lots of Easter eggs. Yes. Um, they, uh, one of the things about this show is it's very graphically intense in the sense that they use CGI for a lot of things. Um, right. I mean, this is, it has yeah. a surprising amount of special effects for a sitcom. And, the, and when, when Michael is presenting the, score, the point system to the crowd that, in episode one... There That's are, exactly what I was going to mention. Michael yeah. like pops up these screens out of nowhere. They're kind of holographic screens that he displays various things on. And like in the opening episode, he's explaining the point system. And if you freeze frame that, so you good. can see the point values plus or minus for various different things. Like use Facebook as a verb is like minus five or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Telling a woman so, she should smile more minus 2,800. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. So, so there, it, it really rewards the freeze frame to look at the Easter eggs. Yeah. It's it's just a show that rewards rewatching. I mean, you you binge the first time and then you you, you watch slowly the second time because uh, yeah, it, and, and you and you can see some of it. Like I've, I've just pulled up on you know if you do a Google search for the Good Place and look at the images, you can see some of those screenshots, and it's 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 pretty funny some of the different things that were pluses and minus. Oh yeah. Well, getting getting back to the characters, when you talk about likability, um, Eleanor. And and I again I had never seen this actress in in much. Um, I I knew she was a person, you know. <laughs> but uh, she is so charismatic and so yeah. funny and so cute at the same time as she's being just a despicable human being, and she's got this affectation of saying "dude" and "man" in the most natural way that just completely somehow completely fits yeah. that character. And all the characters are kind of like that where Chidi, you just, you want to roll your eyes every time he opens his mouth and Tahani <laughs> for the first two or three episodes. I just wanted to just punch Tahani right in the face every time I saw her until she was you, I like so perfect. And now like every time she comes on screen, I'm, I'm, Longing for her to name drop something for her. <laughs> yeah. So Tahani her is yeah. is this uh, wealthy British woman of uh, of Southwest Asian Pakist descent, Pakistan. Pakistani. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure if they'd mention yeah. it, and uh, and and she. Um, 
she's a second child in the sense of her parents loved her sister more than her, and the sun rises and sets on her sister. No matter what Tahani does, she could never measure up. Except Tahani is also, you get the feeling, is kind of self-involved, <laughs> very, yeah. uh, very snooty and elitist, and and like you say, Max, she name drops like every two As seconds. I was telling my my friend, you know, Brad Pitt, we did this, you <laughs> yes. know, yeah. Yes, I, I mitigated. I mitigated an argument between my best, my some of my good friends, Sporty and Posh, and my other very good friend, Desmond Tutu. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Um, so, But the thing is, she's raised as a philanthropist. She's raised like sixty billion dollars for charity, right? Which yep. is why she's in the good place. So right. she's she's done amazing good works on Earth, even though she has these character flaws that make her suitable as a sitcom character. And it brings us back to the theme of motive because her whole deal becomes about motive. Um, So so here's a great line for her uh, where she says, uh, believe it or not, I actually found myself in a very similar situation a few years ago, except in that instance, Michael was Javier Bowdrum and the bad place was Vanessa Redgrave's panic room. (laughs) 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 What? I'm not even sure what the context of that was, but the, the lines are just so funny. Like, and that's thing I want to say about like Tahani, the actress who plays her. I've never seen her in anything before. I think she's new. She's she's gorgeous. Let's just say she's yeah, she's yeah. she's absolutely beautiful. But and she's very a tall and very yes, but a comic genius. I mean, her timing is great. She delivers her lines yeah. with, so well. I mean, she is just great in this. I really I really enjoy her in this role. So it yeah, that's been great. Really, I'd say that applies to all of the main cast. I oh, mean, yeah. We, there are a few characters we haven't talked about yet, but just all of the all of the main characters are incredibly well cast. I mean, you just yeah, can't exactly. imagine almost anybody else in these roles. They're perfect for them. Well, so, and as long as you don't put Ted Danson in the middle of a World War II saga, he's going to fit right in. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> he is absolutely amazing in this. Yeah. He has, and, and as the series goes along, especially once we get into season two, I mean, his, which we won't talk about now, he gets to really show some amazing actor's chops. Yeah. Yes, he does. Um, well, and, and I'm, I'm constantly amazed by his willingness and ability to sell silly because he oh, yeah. really he really goes silly, I think, more than just about any other character. Maybe Janet. But yeah, and Janet, but, but he, Janet's but fantastic, he, too. Yeah, but he sells it in a very straightforward way. So he'll he'll he just sounds like this really nice guy. Kind of naive, just very supportive yeah. and optimistic and naive and talking about this ridiculous stuff. Gets yeah. really excited about suspenders and the possibility. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's great is, is I mean, this is where we, we met we met Ted Danson. I mean, uh, Sam Malone on Cheers was the same sort of silly character, uh, the same. Mm-hmm. But that, but he was earnest and we loved him. Uh, but he was he sold the silliness of the of the character and and that whole situation, all the characters around him. And, he, and he's, he's really come back to that. I mean, I know that Ted Danson has tried to do some more serious stuff in his career since then. But this is, I, I really feel like is a revival for him. I mean, this is a, uh, yep. a, a great role for him. Uh, and Michael is an interesting character. I mean, there's this, he, he comes across, he's the architect. He's so an angelic figure. Um, anybody Michael, insecure, hmm. Michael, right. Who's yep. insecure about his, about his role, about what he's doing. And, and in fact, he often needs um, Eleanor to kind of buck him up and to help, help him feel better about himself yeah. uh, in this, this situation. Is, 
as an architect, this is the first neighborhood that he's ever designed. And so he's nervous about that. And then he's also doing something different than what most architects do. He tells us that most architects, they, they, they design the neighborhood, but they don't live in it. And he thought it would be nice. And he likes humans and wants to have a chance to be with humans and learn about human things. So he wanted to live in the neighborhood for like the first thousand years as a way of helping everybody settle in. But that's not what architects normally do. So he's not sure about um, about a lot of things since he's kind of going out on a limb as an architect and trying out new stuff. So he's another one of the these characters in this show who are good but flawed, <laughs> you know, in, in that sense. The, and the, the, each one of these people are good but flawed, some more profoundly than others. Yeah, um, and Ted Danson does a good job of showing the the despair that Michael has when all these incidents are starting to happen. Where yeah, and the incidents are caused by the fact that Eleanor doesn't belong there. Right. So she's it's like dropping a stone into a pond. Ripples yeah. go out from that. And the fact I, so like when Eleanor steals shrimp, this is a famous one. When Eleanor steals oh. a bunch of shrimp at a party, the next day there are giant CGI shrimp flying through the sky. <laughs> right. And and and, and the, the I was going to say about um, the the. Uh, Michael thinks that it's his fault that things aren't working, that right. it's because yeah. he's a bad architect, where it's where Eleanor feels guilty because it's really because she doesn't belong there and she's causing it. And she's trying to figure out how to fix that without getting thrown into the bad place. We really need to talk about the fourth person and the in our uh, uh, in our group of yeah, four there's, dead there's, people. <laughs> and, ja and Janet. Yes. And then Janet. But uh, but I want to talk about. The character that we are first introduced to as John John Liu John Yu John Yu okay uh, it's a combination of of uh, consonants I wasn't sure how to pronounce them John Yu and I, I hadn't watched it uh, that, those episodes recently John Yu is a Tibetan monk who has taken a vow of silence Taiwanese monk Ta I'm sorry he's Taiwanese yes okay yeah. um, Taiwanese monk who's taken a vow of silence who has been paired up as the uh, soulmate for Tahani, who has apparently taken a vow of never being silent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, you know, this being the good place, she's trying to figure out this must be right. So let's try to figure out how to make it work. And so there's this this for for I forget how many episodes it is where he doesn't say a word. It's and he just, just two. Is it yeah. two? It seemed like it yeah. seemed like longer. Um, he doesn't say a word, and we just think he's straight. That's straightforward. He's just this very holy monk who doesn't say He'll anything do kind of the you know the 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 obvious nod or you know <laughs> right kind of bow or you know or he puts like his that. hand on michael's chest <laughs> yeah, yeah. One michael. point to calm yeah. him right yeah, yeah. and then wow. we we, we get this revelation yeah and then we get this revelation <laughs> again this is a, a minor spoiler it's only it's two episodes in that john lu shouldn't be there either john Yu shouldn't be there either in fact, his real name is Jason, and he's Mendoza. this Mendoza. Mendoza, and he's this. Well, how do I? He's an idiot. He's a failed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the Joey character, is what he is. He's. I mean, he's literally an idiot from Jacksonville, Florida, who died because he and his cousin were robbing uh, a fast food uh, restaurant. 
Yeah, you should leave that leave 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 the audience to discover that joke. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway, he's he's a lower class guy, and he when he showed up in the Good Place, Michael, it was apparently another confusion like with Eleanor, right. and Michael said, "So, John, you, I know you took a vow of silence. If you want to maintain that here, you're perfectly free to." Which he then did as a way of keeping his cover. So, yep. like Eleanor, he's also keeping his cover, but his way of doing it is by not saying anything, right? Because but, as soon as he does, he's like a stoner from the south oh my god he's so funny but he's you know, hilarious he does he does figure out eleanor yeah because he, he gives he sends notes he slides a note under the door you don't belong here right course, he, does, he figures it out because she comes up to him in a drunken daze yeah you exactly can't tell anybody my secret <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it, but you know so, he he get, makes connection with her and he tells her first, you'll know, meet me in the town square at midnight. And he's like, I don't believe belong here. You don't <laughs> right. belong here. What are we going to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. He, he, in life, he, he was, he, he like led a 60 person dance crew and he <laughs> yeah. wanted to be a DJ in Florida. Um, a DJ in the sense of person who plays records at parties, not a radio station DJ. Yeah. And um, and he didn't succeed at that, although in one episode he explains he was he wasn't a failed DJ. He was pretty successful. (laughs) 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 And uh, and he's great. One of the things that he's got this great line early on, because everyone's assuming that he's John, Yu, the mystical monk and who's just an amazing person. And and he's not he's not even Chinese. He's Filipino. And he's going, I never knew heaven was so racist. (laughs) And 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 one of the things that's so awesome about Jason is he's the complete subversion of all of the standard Asian stereotypes that you get in the media. So he is not the wise man. He is not the holy guy. He's not inscrutable. He's the most normal person i mean he's down to earth isn't the right word because he's also a comedic character but um he's 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 very of the ordinary people he is a lovable idiot he's he's a lovable idiot he's not an elitist at all (laughs) no and he uh he loves the jacksonville jaguars I oh, yeah. and, the and quarterback. Jaguars and Brett Bortles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, then we come to Janet. Now, as we said before, I think it was before the question, Janet is sort of the good places Siri in that. Yeah. Yep. Um, Personified. She, yeah. Personified. She's a, like a, a anthropomorphic database of this this woman. Um, you'd say her name, Janet. She appears and then she either can answer questions or she'll um, she can actually make things happen. Yeah. So like if you say I'd like some jalapeno poppers, she'll give you jalapeno pop, which Jason does at one point. Yeah. (laughs) Like Jason outfits a whole room in the the mansion that he and Tahiti are are sharing. And it's all this like, you know, uh, PlayStation four and recliners, posters of girls with hot rods. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, And, but so Janet has um, just there's some great lines. I mean, she, she has some uh, some great st- like straight moments in the in the, sh- oh, yeah. in the show in respond responding to people um, with a smile. 
You're, you're oh, the yeah. right. You're the best girl I've ever met. I'm not a girl. Not a girl. <laughs> not a girl. Yeah. I'm not a girl. Not a girl. And, and she just slips it in like uh, right, like it's nothing. Yeah. Very matter of factly, not a girl. And <laughs> I was reading about her character. Apparently, they had cast the actress who plays Janet, who is awesome. Um, but they had cast the actress initially as one of the people in the afterlife. She was going to be either a, a violinist or a violin salesperson who had a checkered past. And, and they decided to change that, but they liked the actress so much they kept her and made her Janet. So she's basically your information con concierge afterlife AI system that you use to, to get stuff or learn about stuff. She's supposed to have all the knowledge in the universe, though she doesn't really. Um, and she is just very helpful and cheerful no matter what is happening. She's just an incredibly positive character. I had wondered early on, you know, is, is she going to have any character development or is she just going to kind of remain a background character and they figure and out a way to do it. And this was so do. smart about the show yeah. is they, they give you what at first sounds like a, a boundless scenario. And then they very systematically sort of put not real walls, but these fake limits and walls around it to allow yeah. the characters to go in certain directions that make it interesting instead of just being yep. boundless. Yeah, like you said, instead of her actually knowing everything, there are limits to what she can do, right. which is played for comedy. Right. Exactly. And then and over the course of this of the two seasons, she emerges as a major character and she mm -hmm. just grows as a character. She doesn't remain in the background at all. And I just love I, I just love, love, love Janet. She's totally awesome. And I would <laughs> totally buy one. <laughs> yeah, just, just don't try. Just don't try to reboot her because she pleads with you to the you know. Don't oh, take yeah. my life. Don't take my life. I have children. I'm married. I'm taking care of orphans. None of which is true. It's just a fail safe to make sure you want to reboot her. Right. Yes. And and a part of the I think that in the first season is Jason because he's sort of clueless, doesn't realize that Janet is just a you know an avatar for a computer system essentially, yeah. and falls in love with her. Uh, even though he's told his soul is uh, soulmate is to honey, and so you have yeah. this interesting love triangle. Even though Janet doesn't really love him, it was, it was, <laughs> right? And, and, and she she makes that point, and but she tells she, him her 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 job is to help people have a, a more pleasant experience in the afterlife, and if this will make it more pleasant for him, she's okay with that. <laughs> right, and right. right. It, this kind of brings me to, and it's kind of a sidetrack. I just want to give this disclaimer out. If you watch this, there's a little, you get that little icon that pops up that says the rating for the show, and it's it's uh, like TV 14 or something. Mm -hmm. And um, there is always, I don't remember in the first episode, but after that, there is always some joke that is inappropriate for kids here. And eventually right. you get to those with Janet and John Yu. Uh, and it's not overly gross. It may be one line in the show. Right. But as someone with children that walk in and out of shows, sure yeah. enough, that's when the line's going <laughs> to oh, come. So just right. a fair bit of warning. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you brought this up, Mac, because there is this is a 21st century sitcom on American television. And mm -hmm. despite the fact that it is mostly family friendly, right. it is not entirely family friendly. No, it there is. is there is some content and occasionally 
Uh, like one of the things is there um there's a lot of fake cussing in it yeah. um because the the neighborhood has a a, a a profanity filter so one of the first things that that eleanor figures out is why can't i say the word fork and <laughs> yeah. um so you're not shirt. allowed to curse well that's yeah. bullshit yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. bullshit. Yeah. And get the fork out of my neighborhood and things like that. So there no. is this fake cussing and, and there's some real cussing in the flashbacks to life on Earth. Yes. Um, there's Still pretty also, mild compared by standards, but yeah. compared to other shows, it's 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 mild, but there is some. And also you will hit an occasional joke where it's it, it just makes me want to go that's just yeah. i wish they didn't do that often a euphemism um, or a double entendre sort yeah. of joke or yeah. or like there's we in one flashback to eleanor's life uh she one of the ways they're illustrating her her lack of empathy for other people is she has no problem going to a coffee shop run by a guy that sexually harasses his waitresses and yep. they demonstrate that even though it's not graphic, you, we don't see it, all of it. We see it from a particular angle. It's, it's, it is sexual harassment and it's really uncomfortable for that moment. Yeah. 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 You know, Agreed. Now that, that being said, I mean, compared to a lot of what's on TV today, the reason why I personally don't watch a lot of sitcoms today is they're, they're far worse than this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there is far, far, far worse than this. It's not, this is not, um, you know, again, we compare with Cheers, although Cheers had some pretty risque moments if you really look for at its it. Time. But yeah. First time. But it yeah, it's it's not quite that innocent, if you will. Well, and that's what makes it very frustrating for me as a dad that my children would actually enjoy watching this. Like they oh, yeah. love puns. They love you know, kids love mm-hmm. puns. They love this. So it's like ninety-nine percent of the dialogue is fine. And one line, they're going to say something like so sexual that you go. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. when you get to the medium place. Right. Uh, and and oh, sort of the oh, yeah. Talk yeah. About next. Yeah. At some point, Let's they go to there. the uh, they, they, they get away from the good place. Mr. Aiken just rubbed his, his head like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so they get out of the, the good place for a while and they go to the medium place uh, where people who are neither good nor bad or they've done good they, they, they've they're kind of in the middle in the point system in fact there's only one person who's ever been you know straight down the middle not good or bad but straight down the middle they've done good stuff and she, bad stuff mindy st Clair. Things, things that were both really bad and really good so they kind of cancel out right okay that yeah exactly and she ends up in a especially a place especially created for her called the medium place where it's not horrible but it's not great either. It's not good either. Yeah. They gave her everything she asked for, except they they messed them up just a little bit. Right, yeah. right. Uh, so like, like, like she gets one of the only movies she ever gets to watch is Cannonball Run Two. <laughs> right, not one yeah. behind yeah, the scenes the of Cannonball yeah. Run Two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, and, it's and medium, what medium. happens with uh, with Mini St. Clair? That's that's a, a perfect illustration of. Where they where they get somewhat graphic about certain things, and well, we don't have graphic to get into it. in ter- graphic in terms of dialogue. They yeah, never it's not they visual. don't right. Yeah, they don't show us anything. It's still network um, TV, really. Yeah, <laughs> right. But there's there's a higher ick factor when we hit Mindy St. Clair, and it's like, oh yeah, so this is why she's in the medium. This is why she's not in the good place. Well, <laughs> so in, in we, the irony is, I think you look at the you know the four main characters. 
all four of them individually are far better people than Mindy Sinclair. She just happens to luck out where she's somehow in the middle of a cocaine binge sets up this this foundation that ends up happening helping billions of people you know right the right. one humongous thing she did right was almost by accident and yet right. she yeah. gets credit for it but when now we've talked about all the characters now did you want to talk about sort of the the ph- philosophical underpinning to the show yeah let's get let's get into some of that and and just the the idea of the point system itself we've uh, mm-hmm. I, I, we, I want to kind of head toward a conclusion for the first season so that we can uh, go to the next episode and, and talk about the conclusion of the first season. But let's talk about the the the, the afterlife point system and right. just how that jibes with what we know about how things work from a Catholic perspective, especially. Well, it's, you know, I would say it, it's kind of funny is that I think there's a lot of people who almost think it's like that. There's kind of that image of God's up there writing your good side and your bad side. And if you've got more good than bad, you're going to get to heaven. Uh, very Jansenistic, if you've heard of the heresy of Jansenism, you know, very much along that lines of, of you know, you're you're a bad person and you deserve to go to hell. But, hey, you know, if, if, if you do all the right things and you make sure that you're always in, you know, doing repentance and everything, you'll get to heaven. Well, it's even Maybe. I think I think people are even more like the, this in, in which where they're like, yeah, I don't go to church. But, you know, and I don't I don't kill anybody. I'm, I'm mostly exactly. a good person. I mean, there's I a you, you can go be with Mindy St. Clair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the way I think the way most people approach it is it's it is this I'm mostly good. And as long as I get over 50 yeah. percent, I'm, I'm, I'm heading to heaven, um, it, you know, and, and 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 most people are, are pretty good people. And, you know, God will take us in. Uh, and now I, I don't want to go f- in, to that. In, interestingly, that's not what they do on this show. They make it clear and this emerges as we go along, but they make it clear that the people who are in the good place aren't just better than 50 percent. They right. don't just have a net positive balance. They have like two million plus points. Right. 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 And and so and and other people who don't rank that highly are not in the good place. Like, Including like a lot of people you'd expect. Philosoph- uh, like a lot of Cheaties philosopher heroes, <laughs> they're all in the bad place. Right. Yeah. Right. And so um, and there is in terms of this of the, I guess, kind of the fundamental concept of the point system, there is a truth there that our actions do have good or negative qualities, morally speaking, and they do have different gravities. And hypothetically, you could represent that in a point system. Um, Now, in real life, uh, from a Catholic point of view, salvation and heaven and hell are not just about totaling up the points. There's more to it than that. But since this is a non-denominational show or interreligious show that's really about philosophy rather than religion, all they really focus on, especially initially, is the point system. And then as the show grows, we start to learn about different theories of ethics. And they never tell us exactly what the objective system is that's ranking them. Um, but they're at, they explore different ethical ideas and then see what effects does that have on the points that, say, Eleanor may or may not gain. And that's where, as you mentioned, Mac, motive comes into things because your motive, it's not just what you do objectively. Your motive for doing it is also important. Um, I just want to note personally that um, The Good Place has given me points 
because <laughs> I told uh, Stephen Gradanis, the movie critic, that he needed to watch this, and he did. And he went on Twitter and said, so I have watched literally zero television in maybe five years. A friend, that's me, twisted my arm, and now I have started to catch up on The Good Place. I have chosen wisely, right? And then The Good Place, at NBC The Good Place, says... <laughs> Plus 78 points for choosing wisely, plus 67 points to your friend for twisting your arm. <laughs> nice. So I awesome. have 67 points for twisting his arm, and I assume my own 78 points for choosing wisely. And Dom, <laughs> since you had both of those things, since you twisted my arm, you should be getting those same points as well. Woohoo! I'm going to the good place. <laughs> you know, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, pausing scenes, and you look at the scenes where they're showing the points. Like, I, I've just pull up one here, you know, eight vegan plus 425.94 points. Never discussed veganism unprompted plus 9,875.37 points. I love it. So we were talking about Janet and one of the things I loved about Janet, I just want to kind of get back to the, to her for a second to kind of wrap up this. Um, one of the things I loved about Janet is that even as she's being so literal there, it shows there's the complexity of the character as she's being true to herself. She's this literal machine. It also shows her goodness and the goodness in the character that will grow. There's this moment when uh, Jason is telling the others about how he and Janet love each other and want to get married. And everyone knows you can't love the machine. <laughs> and he says, we love each other. She makes the bass drop in my heart. Which is a, a DJ <laughs> turn. <laughs> and she responds in Janet style. And Jason is a person who was near me. <laughs> yeah. When he asked me to That's marry it. him. Yeah. Well, and then he asked yeah. me to marry him, and there was nothing in my protocol that specifically barred that from happening. And yeah. that's <laughs> she is making him happy. And that's and that is that a bad thing? And so this is her goal. That's her goal. And this that sort of encapsulates encapsulates this show is, is that it's it it kind of breaks beyond the barriers. It 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 or it undoes all of your expectations. Things that you say, well, that's the sort of thing that a regular show would turn into a whole season long's worth of discussion or, or, or pull so many jokes out of, then they end it in one episode and move on to the next thing. Or they, you know, they run, they run through a, a gag that they could have dragged out. Yeah. Uh, that's, go ahead. That's an important note. Uh, and one of the things that Michael Schur was talking about in the interview I read with him is they, the show is very fast paced and they do not drag out things. Especially you, in the second season. Yeah, especially. But even in the first season, they don't drag out things that another show would just let go on forever. Mm -hmm. And Michael Schur in the interview was saying that that's very deliberate because they know the audience is smart. They know the audience is going to be thinking about, OK, well, this is going to have to happen at some point. And their goal is to is to get there before the audience expects it to happen. So I think I think I want to unless anybody has any uh, last thoughts uh, on the on this first season, I want to wrap it here for now um, and then uh, we can continue our discussion in the next episode. Um, so unless you guys have anything else. No, I just want to twist everybody's in the arms in in the audience's arms so that I get more plus sixty seven points from the good place. So go watch the good place. If if but you be all aware watch of the it, caveats we mentioned. If you all watch it, this may get Jimmy into the good place. Let's just you put yeah. it that way. So yeah. if you have not watched the good place, 
after you've listened to this, go watch it. It comes with yes. my high recommendation, even whatever. Um, you know, don't don't let your kids watch it necessarily, but watch it yourself. Um, I think you'll get something out of it. So that's it from us. Uh, what did you know, if you've seen it or if you're going to see it? What do you think of the first season of The Good Place? Let us know by visiting sqpn.com or the SQPN Facebook page and leave us some feedback. You can find links to all our personal social media and websites on our show notes on sqpn.com. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed to ensure you receive all future installments of the secrets of movies and TV shows, including our next episode, looking at season two of The Good Place and the the coming big twist in the season finale. Um, and I also want to recommend that you go check out our new podcast, uh, StarQuest Headlines. It's a daily two minute podcast of four news stories that might be of interest to you today. That we think may be interest of our to our star, uh, SQPN audience. Uh, so until next time, Mac Barron, thank you for sharing in the secrets of the good place. Thank you for having me, uh, Jimmy Aiken. Thank you as well. Thanks, Tom. And Father Corey, thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks, Tom. And once again, I'm Tom Bettinelli. And remember, again, everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs>